Hey, good morning, everyone. Beautiful day today. We're so glad that you're here. We are uh, going through a series right now on tough questions. And uh, if you've been going to our church for any amount of time, what we do is uh, we take a series and then we talk about it till we're sick about it. So um, we've been going through this series for about nine weeks. We're going to be in answering very difficult questions. And these are questions as I researched and, and looked at different blogs and uh, different books and research, uh, different topics. These are questions that people are actually asking. These are questions that you may be asked at your job or a family member or, uh, you know, somebody that, uh, uh, your neighbor. And, and so th- these are questions that people are actually asking. And, and this question today is, is very important that we understand and we get this correct. And it's, and it's about truth. What is truth? And is there absolute truth? And what's amazing is that they did a survey asking many people, did, did they believe in absolute truth? Is there, is there a one code that, that we should live by, that we should submit to, that is the absolute truth without fault? And many people didn't believe that there's absolute truth. Now, 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 this comes in, in stark contrast to, to what we believe about Jesus Christ and what we believe in, in, is true in the Bible. We be, believe that the Bible is absolute truth, and we believe Jesus came as the truth. And so we need to get this right, because if there isn't absolute truth, then, then this is a big predicament that we find ourselves in as followers of Jesus Christ because it, it backs us into a corner and it makes us think for a moment, is Jesus really who he is? And is he the truth or isn't he? Or is there other truth that we can follow also and believe in many different things? And that's, people, listen to me, really, you, 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 your spiritual perception better be heightened in the world we live in today. Because if you just listen for a moment, to what's being said from talk radio and TV talk shows, what you're finding is, is a steady diet of relative truth, a steady diet of, of, of moral relativism that basically means this. Whatever seems true to you is true to you. That it really doesn't matter what you believe, but as long as you believe in something, we have no right to say that that person is wrong for what they're believing. So laced within all these other different philosophies and all these other different world religions is a potpourri of bringing a bunch of different ideas together and try to hold hands together and say, this is okay as long as you believe that it's okay. Now, we've got to understand what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ because this is imperative to the gospel message. Because Jesus Christ didn't just come for a few people or people who just thought maybe he was a way. Jesus actually made this very exclusive statement that you saw in the video that he says, I am the only way. He didn't give us any other option. Now, Jesus was very exclusive by saying that statement, but he's very inclusive in all who can come to him. He doesn't exclude anyone that comes to him. So, so we've got to get this right. Is there absolute truth? It's, it's funny. I, I, um, I Googled the word, what is truth? And you know how many results I got by Googling that? 1.8 trillion results. I'm not lying. What is truth? One, one, 1.8 trillion. Now, this is definitely a debated topic today. And so what we're going to look at today 
is, is that the word absolute truth and is there moral absolutes. And, and I, I want us to look at this claim that Jesus Christ made in John 14, 6, when he says that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm the only way to God. There is no other way to the Father. So what Jesus makes here is he makes a claim that he is the only one who has access to God. Now, at face value, some people may say, well, 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 well Pastor, what's the big deal? A lot of people claim to, to have truth or to teach truth. There may be some truth in, in, in what they say, but, but here's why it's such a big deal. Jesus, as, as the truth, reveals to us who the true God is. And by claiming that, what Jesus claims is that he claims divinity, that he indeed is God. And by Jesus claiming divinity separates him from every other religious figure who has ever walked in the face of this earth. So uh, many other religions may not have an issue with Jesus or he may even call him a prophet or may say that he was a great teacher. But when you get down to Jesus's claim of divinity, that he and the father are one, that he and indeed is God, that when he died on the cross, he died for blasphemy, claiming to be God. Now we've got an issue because Jesus Jesus either is or he isn't. And if he is, then we better get this right. If Jesus is God, if he is the truth, then we better make sure that we're not believing a lie. And so we, we better know what we believe. And that's why I like going through these questions because listen, if we don't know what we believe, then we will fall for anything. And, and here, as your pastor, let me, let me just admonish you this morning, 830 crowd. Let me just tell you, don't be a bystander in your walk with God. Seek the truth and understand who Jesus is. The Bible tells us that, that we are to give a defense or we are to give an answer for those who ask for the hope that's within inside of us. That doesn't mean we're scholars. That doesn't mean that we know everything in the Bible. But we need to be able to answer the world's questions and, 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 and the reason why we believe so strongly why we do about the person of Jesus Christ. So these aren't my claims. This isn't what I teach. This isn't what this church teaches. This is what the Bible teaches. This is what Jesus teaches. And if we believe that the word of God is absolute truth, then we need to get this right. Because out there, there are a million different voices that are vying for your attention to tell you which way to go. And if we are not careful and we don't know what we believe, we can easily fall. And so when we understand the person of Jesus Christ, we understand he epitomizes who God is. Not just a way to God. He is the only way. He's, he doesn't just teach truth. He says, I am truth, which means he, he says, you can look into my life and there is no lie that's found in me. That's pretty audacious, isn't it? So he says, I'm not just teaching you about truth, but I am the truth. I am perfect. He just doesn't show us the way to life. He says, I'll actually give life and I'm going to give you eternal life. So Jesus claims absolute truth, meaning this, he is it. There is no other. Jesus, listen to me. Jesus claimed absolute truth. He says, I am it. I am the only. Now, this is not what I, Barton Gerace is saying. This is not what our church teaches. We do teach that, by the way, and this is what I believe. So just 
before you, I get all the bad emails, okay? Um, we do believe that. We follow the Bible. That's what we follow. This is our authority. Whew, okay, got through that one. And I believe that too. Um, so we don't get in these arguments where people say, well, you just believe that, or that's what your religion teaches, or that's what man teaches. And, and so, so we say, well, that's man's traditions or whatever. No, no, this is what Jesus claim to be there is no other so either we have two choices here about christ either we believe this and we seek out the truth to understand christ and his claims or we just believe that he's a fool or we just believe that he's a complete liar and a lunatic that's what c.s lewis says and i like that he doesn't give us any other choices either he is or he isn't he he's either lord or he's a lunatic or a liar or the greatest con artist that ever lived on the face of this earth so he either is or isn't. And, and what I love about Jesus is people say, well, what's the evidence? How can Jesus make that claim? Well, Jesus proved his divinity through his resurrection. So the bottom line is the truth matters. This matters. And what bothers me is when people stiff arm the Bible and stiff arm Jesus because they, they just basically say, well, Christians are all hypocrites and the church is corrupt and blah, blah, blah. And they just bypass Jesus and they don't even want to study who he is or the claims that he has made. We need to get this right because we live in a world of relativism. Whatever is right for you is right for you. I like what G.K. Chesterton says here. He captures relativism correctly by saying it has its feet firmly planted in midair. So true. This is, domin- this is a dominating thought in our world today. We hear things like tolerance and diversity. Yes, we are to be kind to one another. Yes, we're not to hate and hurt one another. Yes, we may not even uh, agree on things, and, and we are to be kind to each other. But my concern in an age where we are taught everyone can be right is very dangerous because it whittles away at what the truth is. What is the truth then? Who's right? And who's wrong? Because at the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, just like we saw in the video, somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong. Is everybody right? It, it can't. That just doesn't even make sense. So someone has to be right and someone has to be wrong. So as much as we would love to say that all religions are basically the same and join hands and sing Kumbaya and drink Coca-Cola together and say we are the world, right? As, long, as, as much as I would love to say that, and make it all nice and tidy and, and clean and wonderful for the sake of tolerance and diversity, the reality is all religions don't teach the same thing. They don't. Jesus did not give us the option to believe in any other. And so just as I said, Jesus was exclusive in the fact that he was the only one to believe in, but very inclusive and all who would come to him. So he doesn't care about your background. He doesn't care about your religious background. He doesn't care about your ethnic background. He doesn't care about any of those things. He says, all who come to me, I will no wise cast out. All. For God so loved the world that he gave his what? Only son. Ravi Zacharias makes a great point when he says, the fact is truth matters, especially when you are on the receiving end of a lie. That's when it becomes reality. We, we may think, well, truth is relative unless you're on the receiving end of a lie. Remember a time when you were lied to? Did it matter to you? Did, you didn't say, well, it's just relative and it really doesn't matter. 
You have your version of the truth. I have my version of the truth and we're all good. So let's not even exchange insurances. Let's just go on our way, right? Only if you were the one causing the accident, not the other person. See, when you're lied to, you were hurt. You wanted heads to roll. You wanted the truth to come out, right? You can't handle the truth, right? We wanted that truth to come out. We wanted to get to the bottom. And if we don't believe in absolute truth, then we will fall for anything or believe anything. And that's where we are in our world today, whatever. So it's a smorgasbord of beliefs, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, whatever floats your boat. I can remember having a conversation with someone about Jesus' statement being the way, the truth, and the life. We had, the, we had a really good conversation about this. And uh, this person was raised in a Christian home. And I was really shocked by his answer. And he says, he, he says well, I just don't believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So I said, well, um, what do you base your belief in? I wanted to know, where do you get your truth from to come against Jesus' statement? Because I said, I don't get it from myself. I get it from what Jesus said. And he obviously backed up his claim. So I trust Jesus' word as being the truth because he is God. He rose from the dead. He, he conquered the grave through his miracles, through his life. They found nothing uh, to come against Jesus. So I go, if I'm going to believe in anybody, it's going to be Jesus. And so I said, that's where I base my belief in. I go, where do you base your belief in? You know what his response is? He goes, it's just what I believe. So I said, well, I said, well, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? He didn't know what to say. That's pretty scary. That is pretty scary. You see, Jesus was very absolute when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, here's the difference between saying something and actually being reality. Jesus proved it over and over and over again. Through his miracles, no one could find lies in him. Jesus conquered the grave. So here's the real issue. Here's where it boils down to. You see, unless we understand the human heart, we will not understand absolute truth. So here's the mistake. I'm going to boil down every philosophy class for you in in one statement right here. You ready? All of you that were so confused in philosophy class, if you took it in college and it was just doing these circular mind games and you walked out with a migraine headache. Let Let me boil it all down for you in one statement. The reason why we cannot understand absolute truth in ourselves is because what the world is trying to do is trying to find truth within ourselves. You will never find the truth within yourself. Why? Because the prophet Jeremiah said it very well. He says, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can trust it? So what Jeremiah was saying, intrinsically in every heart of man is sin. Here's the real issue. The real issue is our hearts are wicked. And when faced with the truth, our inclination is to rebel. When we're faced with the truth and it comes against the condition of our hearts, what man does is rebel. Read Romans chapter one. Paul talks about the condition of man's heart. They refused to worship God in the truth of his creation. And instead of worshiping the creator, what they ended up doing is worship, worshiping the creation. In the foolishness of their own hearts, they exchanged what was seen before them as reality and a creator. And through the foolishness of their hearts, they began to worship the created things who could do nothing for them. That's us. 
Sorry <laughs> to tell you that. That's us. So when we're faced with the truth, the reality of the truth, the inclination of our heart is to rebel. And see, th- there is no better example of this than when Jesus uh, went through his, his trials before his crucifixion. What I want to show for you here is, is within this series of events before Jesus went to die on the cross for us, you're going to see the lies of man juxtaposed against the truth who is Jesus Christ. And I'm through these, you, you have, you may have never looked at the trial of Jesus Christ in this way, because it's going to culminate all the way up to him being presented before Pontius Pilate. And what I want you to see as we read this story, this account, I want you to see the condition of the human heart, which is us. Don't take yourself out of this. Don't say, oh, those people are so ignorant. Right before them was the truth. How could they not seen it? And let's all be honest with ourselves here. If that was you and I 2,000 years ago, I don't know if you and I would have been on the side of Christ. I don't know if we would have been. We may have been the ones that were the accusers and not believing him. Because we're looking back and seeing all the things that Jesus did for us, right? A lot easier to see it that way, right? Thank you. Okay. One person out there. So listen, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? right? Much clearer when you're looking back, right? But when you're looking forward, it looks a little fuzzy. So let's, let's look here for a moment at the, at the, at the crucifixion of Jesus. And, and we, we first need to understand it was God's will for Jesus to go to the cross. God was fully sovereign and in control of this event. Jesus had the the power to save his life at any time, but he submitted himself to the Father's will. He allowed himself to be handed over to evil men. The trial of Jesus, listen to me closely, the trial of Jesus revealed the wickedness and the lies in man's heart. Right before Jesus' death, we can see how unfairly Jesus was treated, and we can see the truth juxtaposed to the lies of men. So here we see vividly how Jesus stood against his accusers and how they incriminated themselves through their own lives. So let's go over the the sequence of events here and then we'll read uh, the story in the Bible. Before these men stood the truth and, and let's see what happens next. What Jesus faced was six different trials within 24 hours before he went to the cross. All these questions revolved around, interesting enough, getting to the truth, getting to the truth about Jesus Christ. After Jesus' arrest, he was brought before Annas, a former high priest. Annas broke many of their own laws with Jesus trying to get to the truth. First, it was held in his house. Wrong. He struck Jesus bad. And on top of that, he wasn't even convicted of anything yet. Just Jesus letting him do it. Jesus just letting him do it. Jesus at this point is not even defending himself. He's just, he's just letting the lies roll out. He's letting them expose themselves. Then he's brought to Caiaphas, who was the son-in-law of Annas. How convenient was that? He too was a high priest. And with a group of leaders, they paraded a bunch of false witnesses before Jesus. Yet no one could convict him of any wrongdoing. Why? Because he was the truth. Caiaphas broke seven laws 
in the way he handled Jesus. From having the trial in secret to bribery to having it at night. All were wrong in breaking the very laws that they were to live by. The only thing that they could hold against Jesus was blasphemy, claiming that he was God. So the next day before the Jewish council, they convicted Jesus of blasphemy and declared that he should die. Yet they did not have the power to see this out. They had to go to the ruling Roman governor at the time, Pontius Pilate, and he was the only one to declare death over this situation. And so more lies were brought against Jesus and he went before Pilate. Before Pilate, they they told him that he was misleading a nation, not paying taxes to Caesar. All lies, lies, lies. So what's interesting in all this is that lies were used to convict the truth. The most compelling thing to me about this whole corrupt trial of Jesus was his conversation with Pontius Pilate. And that's what I want us to read today. And this is um, outlined for us in John 18, 33 through 38. So let, let's read this because this is so compelling to me, this conversation. So now everything Jesus led before his accusers, he's not saying anything. Everything culminates right up to the, here's the apex of this whole trial is before Pontius Pilate. Please do not miss this because this has everything to do about the truth exposing the lies of men and seeing how men do not want to seek the truth within the depravity of their own hearts. Listen to what it says, John 18, 33 through 38. It says, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would have prevented my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. And in fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to what? The truth. Everyone on the side of truth, listens to who? That's right, listens to Jesus. So here is the big question. Here it goes. Right here, right before Jesus, Pontius Pilate asks him the million-dollar question right before Pontius Pilate is The truth is God himself. And so Pilate asks the question. It all leads up to this one moment in time. What is truth? And with that, he went away. He never waited for Jesus's response. What? People... How close do we get to knowing the truth and then because of the proclivity of my wicked heart, I say, I don't got time for this. I don't, I don't know if I really want to know. For this reason, listen, listen, just us in this room alone together. Listen, for this very reason. Because we know that when we 
answer to the truth, it's going to expose the lie in our hearts that we've been believing. And that hurts. The truth hurts. The truth hurts, doesn't it? How many you know when you're told the truth, it ain't fun? It happens to me every week, at least once a day, something comes out. It's like, wow, God, you're still working on me. Amen? Right? Thank God for his patience. But all of a sudden, when that truth is exposed and the lie is exposed through that truth, we don't want to hear it. So here, Pilate, he's got the Son of God right before him, asked the million-dollar question. And then with that, he went out again, and the Jews gathered and said, I find no basis to charge against him. Now, Pilate finds nothing against him. What's interesting here is if you do a word study on the, the original meaning of the Greek word, which most of the New Testament is written in, of the word truth, it literally means this, to unhide or hide nothing. That's exactly what happened here. Jesus, what he did was he exposed the lies of man. Pilate couldn't find anything wrong. And Jesus had nothing to hide. You see, we can't find the truth within us. And see, what hung Jesus on the cross was the very lies of man. What hung Jesus on the cross was the very sins of man. That's why I have the cross up here. Here's, 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 here's our heart, envy, anger, pride, lust, all these things. Now, I could have put a million different sins up here, right? All these things is what brought Jesus to hang on the cross for us. He was the truth, the only one to, to, to answer our questions, the only one to, to, to remedy the wickedness of our heart and the sin of our heart And the condemnation of our heart was the truth of Jesus Christ because he exposed the lie. So listen, the trial makes no sense to human understanding. In fact, the trial of Jesus, when you read it, it probably got you a little huffy. How dare they do that to my Jesus? It cries out for injustice. It cries out for a wrong to be made right. That's not fair. Jesus was mistreated. Yet I want you to understand something this morning, people. That justice did happen. What was wrong was made right. Jesus going to the cross was the only way that sin and injustice could be made right. And it was the only way that our lies could be exposed. Unless you see your lives and your lies exposed and hanging on the cross, you will never come to the truth. Because what you'll end up doing is continually justifying your life by the way you want to live it. But until you come to the truth of Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I was following my own way. My life was a lie. I was following the philosophies of the way I wanted to live my life. I was following the way I wanted you to even be in my life. I just wanted you as a convenience Jesus, as a religious Jesus, as a Sunday going to meet in Jesus just for an hour and a half, Jesus. But on Sunday afternoon and Monday, I'm living my own life, Jesus, right? Can I get an amen there? Because a lot of us live that way. Because we didn't fully come to the truth and allow him to expose. You see, every lie that was made against Jesus during his trial would ultimately be died for. He gave his life for our lives. And it's interesting, 
that this even started with Adam and Eve. It all started in the garden with the serpent's lie and then them believing the lie. You see, people understand this. This trial had to happen. Because what this trial did was it exposed the true heart of every single one of us. We are all guilty of sending Jesus to the cross. And if we don't see that, then we'll never discover the truth. And that's why Jesus says that the truth will set you free. Until I come to the realization that Jesus is the only way. When I come to the realization that Jesus is the only one who could die from our sins. When I understand that truth and I receive the truth of Christ in my life and I repent of my lies and my sins, that opens up a whole new world. Because what happens is there's a great exchange here. The cross is not some beautiful thing that hangs around your neck. The cross actually is a symbol that's not very pretty. Because Jesus hung naked on here. It's, it's a gruesome, torturous thing of crucifixion. And unless we see it that way, we cannot sanitize this. Because every sin was laid upon the shoulders of Jesus as he hung on that cross for us. You see, Paul, Paul states this well in Colossians 2.14 when he says, What Jesus did on the cross by hanging for our lives and our sin." Paul says this, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, he set aside nailing it to the cross. So here we see all our sins nailed to the cross. We see what Jesus went to die for. I don't care. You you can put whatever sin. I only have a couple. You can put whatever sin yours is. Listen, we're all sinners. These are all the effects of our sin in our heart, right? This is what happens Because of the waywardness of our heart. So what does this mean? Because of our sin, each of us are indebted to God because of our sin. The charge against us is recorded. Lust, pride, gossip, whatever it is. The the charge is recorded against us. But by putting my faith in Christ as the only way, as the truth of God... What this does is it takes this record of wrong and it literally nails it to the cross. Barden's sin is nailed to this cross right here. And what's interesting is during the crucifixion, during that time they had the brutal death by crucifixion, nailed to every cross was a note of what that crime was and what they were being executed for. Spiritually, looking at the cross of Jesus Christ were my sins. Were the things that I rebelled against God. That my heart was wayward and they were nailed upon the cross. There's no way for me to ever overcome that record, that debt. It was too big. It was too heavy. We, the Bible says we've all fallen short of God's glory. Every single one of us is a liar. We all are. And I know you all think you're special. We all are in some ways, but right. But listen, we're all born with that sin nature. None of us can overcome that in our own strength. Otherwise, if we could, there was no reason for Christ to come. Jesus paid the debt, the record of your sin, 
by dying on the cross and giving his life for that debt. Why? Because he was perfect. And so what God did was to make, to, to, in order to fill his justice and his love and his truth, that God's not a liar. What he did for you and I is what we couldn't do for ourselves is he gave his son for us as the great substitute or the exchange for your sin and my sin. What a loving God we serve today. So you may be sitting here and you may be saying, well, pastor, you don't know my past. You don't know the things I made. How could God ever use me? Well, welcome to Living Word. Welcome to our church because every single one of us are in the same boat. Jesus through the grace of God, is big enough to cover your debt. You see, the cross symbolized death, sin, lies, rebellion against God, and God used this very thing. God used the very thing that seemed pointless, that seemed like destruction, that seemed so cruel. That when people would look upon the cross, they were trying to detour people from committing more crimes because they would let the criminal hang there to be a public spectacle. And what what God said is, I'm going to take that public spectacle and I'm going to use it for my glory. To show you that my son can cover your sin. So your record of wrong was nailed to the cross. But I want you to see what happens when Jesus dies for your sin. Your record of wrong could not be paid by your good works, by your church attendance, by your Bible reading, by perfect Sunday school attendance. Those of you that grew up in Sunday school, got your little pen. Perfect Sunday school. Done work. Good for you. Goody, goody gumdrops for you. Done work. Okay. Listen. What Jesus did for us is what we couldn't do for ourselves. So, what hangs on the cross now because of what he did? Because he conquered. Jesus conquered sin and death through the cross. What hangs on the cross now is not Jesus. He's no longer there, right? That's why we show empty crosses here. Jesus is no longer there. He's in heaven at the right hand of the Father Because Jesus said it was finished. And when he said it was finished, and after he rose from the grave, ascended to heaven, he sat at the right hand of the Father, completing the work that he had done for us. So now, what hangs on the cross is not these sins, because my record of debt has been paid. What hangs on the cross now is the word paid in fall. There it is. See, my life changed when I allowed the truth to change me. When I admitted, God, you are right and I am wrong. And that's the truth that will set you free today. And I'm going to tell you today that there's no other way that man can be free. And that's the struggle that we have in our world today because the world struggles with the truth. But I thank God that I serve a Savior who proved his truth to me, not by what he said, 
by what he did. What are you trusting today? Where's your hope? I hope it's not in some fangled philosophy that's just fluffy and and made of no substance. I come and I embrace the cross of Christ because that's the thing that set me free. And for you here today, I want you to get a new understanding of what the cross means and what Jesus means for you. Because some of you here today, you are still hanging on to the guilt and shame of your past. I want you to see that the paid in full has covered all that. And every time that the enemy tries to remind you of your past and your failings and your shame, I want you to get a pit. I'm sure everybody sees this, okay? I want you to see this paid in full. You remind the enemy, no. No, my, my sins paid in full. Paid in full. And I know some of you, 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 you've got that in your mindset where you're just, you're struggling with the, the old churchy religious mindset that you got to do something, you got to do something more. Oh man, I missed church again. I did, I mean, I didn't, I didn't do this again. And, and then you, you start beating yourself up again and you're, you're, you're trying to gain God through your actions. Jesus says, stop doing that. Yes, come to church, but come to church to celebrate what I've done for you. Let me speak to your heart. Know that this is all covered. Your sins today, yesterday, and tomorrow are all covered. And when you come to me and you confess your sins, listen, I'm going to forgive you and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. Why? Because it's already been paid. Stop trying to cover your sins by your good works. It don't work. You may feel good for a day, but guess what? Tomorrow you're going to screw up again. I'm just saying, welcome to Barton Gerace's world, right? We all live there, right? Okay. I've got to embrace this, not this. The truth is here, and this is what sets you free. Let Christ set you free. Let Christ set you free of your shame and your guilt that some of you have been battling with. Some of you have been battling with some habitual things in your life that you're shameful about, that if anyone knew you're just shameful about, I say, Embrace this. Embrace the truth. Let the truth set you free. Let God's word, let Jesus expose that with his truth, but don't allow it to cause you to run and hide deeper into a dark cave. Allow it to expose it, to bring it out in the light so that Jesus can set you free. He wants to have that loving relationship with you, but you can't have it if you're walking in darkness. Allow the truth to expose that, to uncover it. Not not so you can walk in shame and remorse and depression, but that you can walk in the light of Jesus Christ and the fullness of his joy. That's what he has for you. Amen? That's what I want. I want that joy. So let me pray for you. And let's ask God just to touch us. Lord, we just come before you today and we need you. We, we need your truth. And, and Lord, I pray today that God, you would, reveal, you would reveal to every single heart here today the power of the cross, the power of what you did upon that cross. Not just dying a physical death, which was gruesome and horrible, but that spiritual death, that spiritual thing that you did for us that we could not do for ourselves. By, by our, our record being nailed to that cross, you died to that. And now what's covered in that is you have paid our 
penalty. You have paid our price and we can now find forgiveness when we come to the truth of Christ. So I pray today, God, that you would reveal that to every heart. That Jesus, you are here waiting for us to come into your arms. You're waiting for us to allow you to expose those things so that the healing can begin and that forgiveness can flow and your grace can overshadow us. That's what we receive from the truth. Not more condemnation because there is no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So set people free today, I pray. Set them free today. And may they experience your joy in a way that they've never experienced before as they walk before you through your love and your grace, I pray. Through your love and your grace, I pray. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen, 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 amen.